Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line, the show for ambitious entrepreneurs who are looking to grow their business and maybe one day transition out. My guest today is Sophia Haroun. And I'm so excited to have uh, Sophia here today because she has actually been through the process of building a business and then selling it. Oh, scary stuff. But let's start at the beginning, Sophia. Tell us about how did you become an entrepreneur and when was that? Thank you, Wendy. Uh, I became an entrepreneur when I was 28 years old. Uh, I was uh, working full time at a at an insurance company, and I had always wanted to start my own business. Um, mm. While I was working there, actually, I was trying to make a business plan to open uh, a tea place in hospitals. <laughs> so, oh, okay. yes, yes. While I was doing that business plan, because I had a few hours on my hand after after the after the day, um, my I have a next colleague of mine that approached me, and she asked me if I wanted to start a business with her in the relocation industry. Now, for what those, is that? Yes. Yeah. So relocation uh, is not very popular uh, or very well known, I would say. It's basically um, destination services where we help newcomers, especially expats, uh, to mm. relocate in Canada. Don't. So we help them with uh, welcoming them, uh, helping them find a home when they arrive in the new city. Uh, we welcome them at the airport. So we basically take care of everything. Uh, we would also take care of work permits, for example. Yeah, so okay. I kind of fell into that industry because I had studied in immigration, uh, ca Canadian immigration prior to that. And I did work in a relocation agency for a few years. And I was the main coordinator at that agency. And that's where I met my associate, Pascal, at the time. And uh, we both left that company and we went on our own. I went in an insurance company and she started building her business plan. And she said, hey, we should partner up and do this uh, on our own. That is so cool. Now, when I read your bio, Sophia, yes. your entrepreneurship journey started a lot younger than 27 or 28. <laughs> yes, yes, it actually did. Um, as I mentioned, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I guess uh, being around family members that had businesses really inspired me. Um, so when I was uh, nine years old, actually, um, we were living in Canada. So my parents immigrated in Canada in the 1980s, end of okay. 80s. So I was about a year and a half when they immigrated here. And um, they decided to go back for a few years because uh, the integration wasn't going so well. So we sold everything and we went back and uh, I went to school there and I was a bit of a... I went through a bit of a shock uh, yeah. from going to school here, everything in French. I'm originally, well, from Montreal, so school was in French. And I come from the Seychelles Island, which is in the Indian Ocean. And uh, school there is in English and Creole. Uh, French is only integrated in the fifth grade. So 
being in the third grade uh, and being schools where we're they were very religious, so we were doing prayers in the morning for lunchtime and at night, and that was a big, big sh culture shock for me because, yeah. as we know in Canada, that's not the way it rolls. <laughs> um, so I started noticing that kids during the their their uh, break time were just buying um, a bit of a junk food uh, as um, as snacks. Uh, so I decided to do my own sandwiches, tuna sandwiches and popcorn, and I started selling them at lunch break. And the business was doing so well that at a certain point, the, the director went came to see me and asked me to shut down because the merchant was complaining that he wasn't selling his uh, junk food as much. So I had to shut it down, <laughs> unfortunately. So politics and lobbying, you learned about it early. Exactly. <laughs> what I love about your story, it really, it feels like um, you learned so much. If your parents didn't feel welcome and that they left again, was that kind of the the understanding and the impetus for you to build your own company around making people feel welcome? Was that part of that? That's exactly it. Um, that's really what happened in my psyche when I was thinking uh, in college what I would do for as a career. Um, something just attracted me towards immigration. I really um, wanted to help people uh, immigrate here, but with um, a side of me just wanted to relive our experience in a more positive way. Um, I find sometimes immigrants, when we just arrive, especially as like refugees, um, there's there tends to be a lot of bad decisions just because we're not well informed. So just by choosing sometimes the wrong neighborhoods, then that would lead to a bunch of other bad decisions and influences in terms of finding a good job or sending our kids to a school that has uh, less um, resources. Uh, so it was a definite struggle for me. And I think that uh, my whole mission here was to try and change things a little bit. That's so wonderful. And yeah, we, we think we don't necessarily, as Canadians that live here and have grown up here, we don't think about how those little decisions at the front end compound over time and can yeah. really change the trajectory of someone's life. Yes, and traditionally, girls from uh, my culture, we had no choice to really focus on school, uh, whereas boys sometimes would tend to try and figure their own way on the streets, hence sometimes falling into uh, situations mm -hmm. a bit more uh, difficult. Um, so I had a bit of a, that weight on my shoulder to make it and have a career that would kind of get me out of that uh, that cycle like basically and uh, I really worked hard to become an entrepreneur because in my head it was the only way that I could really break that cycle and try to help mm. my parents as well who devoted their whole lives for us here in Canada so one of the things that I find fascinating with the recent stats that came out uh, that over the last 10-20 years we used to have uh, temporary workers at you know, or our temporary residents at like 200 or 300,000 for the country. And now that number is well over 2 million. Mm -hmm. This, those services become even more important. Yeah. Um, when, I, when you think about it, and I love the term you use is global mobility. Yes. Explain that a bit as an employer. Why do I care about that? Yes, well, global mobility has been more and more talked about within the last few years here in Canada because we see the shortage of skilled workers. Uh, as we can see, our demography is not keeping the pace with the needs that we have uh, in terms of labor, not only um, blue-collar jobs, but also I jobs in IT. Um, well, I, as you can see, it's in all, all different industries. Um, we're, we're even hiring teachers, nurses. Uh, are you? Yes, okay. we are. And it's like 
in big bunch, <laughs> basically, because um, there's nothing worse than uh, I remember when I was sending my kids uh, to to school a few years ago. It was their first year. And I, I thought to myself, oh, I hope they have a full time teacher because uh, we were having a bit of this shortage here in Montreal. And uh, thankfully we did. But uh, and, and I felt very compelled and I felt uh, that I was part of the solution by helping them find those um, uh, skilled workers internationally and and really giving them the right resources to bring them here to Canada and relocate them properly so that they could not only stay temporary, but they could stay permanently. Yes. Um, we do know that Canada has a lot to offer in terms of uh, stability. And, you know, we're a country where other than the weather, things are pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, we're very attractive right now for a lot of countries. Um, and the idea is to, to, to do it properly and not to just relocate these people and let them isolate uh, themselves because that's one of the biggest problems that we do have in, in the industry is that a lot of them have a hard time uh, building a new network when they arrive. Because of the weather especially, there's a tendency of staying more inside. So our role is really to give them a hand and help them socialize and create events for them to mingle and make friends because as soon as you start building a new community uh, as we know it's it's the foundation for a good life right we all need a community yeah. to 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 go on with so uh, yeah. global mobility is before we used to have this big tendency of um, a big migration towards Canada but more and more we're seeing uh, this skilled worker crisis all across the world so there's more of a um, transfer outside of Canada and inside of Canada towards Europe, towards Africa, towards India. So there's more movements, not just a one way. Uh, and that has been very interesting in my career to watch that uh, evolve. That is fascinating. When it comes, so when as an employer, I think it feels like because of labor shortages and everything else, we almost have to open up our minds. Yes to looking at folks from other countries potentially helping us um, and hiring them in our companies. Exactly. Yes. What do you think is this, the biggest block to that? Um, I think um, maybe 20 years ago there was a, there was a blockage. Now there, the blockage is not so much there. I would say that the only things that are stopping employers to go full front is sometimes an investment issue. It does require yeah. some expense and uh, an important investment to hire internationally. It takes time as well. So if your yeah. need is for right now, it's not going to happen. <clears throat> you have to plan at least six to 12 months ahead of time because just with work permits, um, it could take around that time before you get the actual go. <clears throat> Sorry about that. The government has a lot of different programs, but uh, some of them are a bit more difficult, especially in Quebec. There's language language barriers sometimes. Um, but um, I think it, companies that have been in the industry for a long time and have done uh, international recruitment before, they, they understand the loops and, you know, the, 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 the patience is a little bit more there. Whereas new companies now that are starting or has only been uh, in activity in the last uh, 10 years, and they realize, oh, I have to go get this skilled worker, I don't know, in Africa, for example, it's going to take a year for them to come, then it's like a big challenge. But uh, in my experience, you know, once you do it, you do it once, and then the second time it's easier. And there's a lot of experts out there ready to help and make it much easier for them. So 
Oh. So if I were doing that, would I hire a company like yours? Or I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. So, yeah. Before yes. we get the help as an employer. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Definitely. I'm not. I'm not doing a lot of self promotion, but yes, definitely we could uh, work with us. Uh, we could help with work permits, relocation, and also the hiring as well. Oh, awesome! Now, how long uh, to transition a little bit into the selling of your business? Yes. You're building a business. Uh, I feel like you did it and that, what a nice way of having some balance with your family and all that type of stuff because you, you know, three children, you have to have that balance. Yes. How long did you own it before you started think, were, thinking about selling it or were you thinking about selling it prior to an offer coming in? The reality is we never thought about selling it. When we started the company, Pascal and I, our priority was basically building a business around a quality of life that was balanced for us. Uh, my partner already had three kids and I had just gotten married and it was on my, my to-do list <laughs> to have a few <laughs> yeah. to have a few kids. I, I didn't know I was going to have three uh, back then, but I did. And um, so when we signed our first contract, I was actually just looking at it this morning. Um, we voted uh, six weeks of vacation uh, right from the start. So even if we were not making so much money, uh, having those days of vacation was important. Um, yeah. we, different, we had different reasons for it but we definitely wanted to be able to travel or take some time off. Um, and for me, I remember one of my priorities was um, basically thinking, you know, I want to be able to work from home um, as much as I can. It, it didn't have to be five days a week, but I wanted to be uh, have the flexibility <clears throat> to go pick up my kids a little bit early, maybe on a Friday or on a Thursday and have that quality time with them. I didn't want to be stuck in that rat race of just always running, running, running and being stuck in traffic. Uh, even at a very early age, when I was about 25, at that time, remote working was really not uh, popular. I was already thinking about that. And I, I thought to myself, if I, if I have a business one day, I'll definitely try and include a few days of remote working for myself and my team so we can offer that flexibility. I love that you're thinking in advance. And what is interesting is that although you may not have been building to sell, yeah. you are actually incorporating one of the key, key things that drives the value of a company, which is how entangled is the day-to-day -day operations in the owner. Exactly. So you figured that out right from the get-go. I don't want to be entangled because no. I want to be able to take some good quality time off. Yeah, I, I truly believe back then, and I still do, that the quality of the work really represents the quality of your mind <laughs> and the balance that you have. You know, if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm feeling super overwhelmed all, all the time and I'm starting to be disorganized and I'm starting to be more uh, agitated or frustrated, that's just going to be reflected in my work where it's with the relationship that I have with my team members or my clients. Um, so the peace of mind or the quality of my mind is super important. And I think entrepreneurs should keep that in mind as well when they're building a business business to be mindful of being of taking care of themselves even though even though it's very easy to say and very hard to do <laughs> isn't it though yeah so we we've talked in the past about ceo mindset when did you discover that term and how have you applied that in your life um i think uh, it's not really a term that i was aware of as such uh until today that I today when I look at the term and I look at it I say hey finally we, we we kind of knew we were more mature than we thought or more um uh, we had it more than we thought uh as you know women we have a tendency of having the imposter syndrome so 
I have to say during my, my years of being an entrepreneur, uh, me and my associate, we really struggled with that. We always felt like um, maybe we were doing something wrong or we weren't pushing yeah. enough or we weren't. There always that, that, that sentiment that um, because we didn't have the official word behind what we were doing, like the theory behind it. Well, we had the imposter syndrome thinking maybe we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. However, afterwards, when we actually got a lot of training from uh, manager uh, training, uh, we got a we also I, we also did a coaching business coaching uh, training together. We found out that a lot of those terms were things that we were actually doing just naturally for ourselves and our team. Um, I think the CEO mindset as well. What's important is to think about. Uh, I think the best lesson for me was to reflect on where is my most added value in this company and always keeping that in mind because it does evolve. So in the yeah. first few months when we started the business, my most added value was to be so close to my expats, relocating them myself because I really wanted to have to put the standard of the service that we were doing, getting yeah. those reviews, getting those Google reviews, getting that that connection with them, understanding their needs, and, and with that, building our training for our future consultants that we're going to relocate them. But when we started having so much volume, my added value kind of switched. So I went from working on the field to saying, no, now my added value is working with my client, the clients that are paying me to, to do this service because I understand the need on the ground, and now I need to understand the corp on the corporate level. So it does evolve, and it's okay to change. I love that. The um, and change is inevitable. But uh, so, how long did Jonah when the when did the offer come in? How did the offer come in for you guys? <clears throat> so, uh, we sold our business almost to almost exactly six years after creating it, which is pretty short uh, in terms yeah. of a company's life. Um, our when we started the business, we gave ourselves the goal to double our net our net our revenue. Uh, double every year, which is something that we managed to do, surprisingly. Uh, at first, we were kind of just laughing about it and we had put it on our business plan and we we're like, oh, imagine if we actually get there in five years. And then we were like, oh, my Lord, we actually did. <laughs> and um, and I think it's it's so important to write those little things down, you know, even if it's on a post-it, if it's on Excel, just it has to be written down somewhere, your goals, because it's like unconsciously or consciously, yeah. there's things that just happen and, and your focus shifts uh, towards that. So um, so that was great for us. The the, the growth was very uh, fast and accelerated. And we really, we had the, dyna the, the energy to, to put in the company to make it grow. Um, the first time that the company that bought us approached us, it was about five years after we had created it. And it actually took a whole year before we signed the papers. And just so you know, when we sold it, we sold it 100%. So we yeah. were not able to keep any uh, shares within the Canadian company. Uh, however, we kept we, we got some shares in the headquarter of the company, which was interesting as well. Uh, and they were people from France and um, they were looking to have an office here in Montreal. Uh, they were a growing business uh, internationally and uh, they were acquiring, acquiring relocation agencies like ours because they were selling mainly international recruitment. And yeah. they wanted to have that piece of the puzzle. So if you have the people, the relocation part and the, and the immigration part, then the recruiting internationally just kind of 
fits in really well and we can share clients. And so it was more of an added, a complementary service to theirs. And it was their strategy to grow internationally. And they were raising a lot of money uh, and that was helping them acquire two or three businesses every year. And we were the first one that they acquired internationally outside of France. Oh my goodness. So why did it take one year <laughs> before you signed the document? What was going on during that year? Well, first I was pregnant with my third baby. <laughs> so I was uh, like two, three months pregnant. So it was that first trimester where your hormones are really up on like really, really high. And uh, and I was feeling very nauseous <laughs> and um, emotionally a little bit uh, unstable, I would say. Um, it, it was a bit hard for me uh, hormonally, but, but I would say it took a year because uh, personally, I did not want to sell. So I was very flattered by the approach, uh, but by the, that they approached us. Um, and it was the first time that I was actually thinking about it. And what I did, as I always do, is when I'm not sure about something, I read a few books on the subject. So I read two, three books about exiting. And uh, I realized that I didn't want to sell. It wasn't for me, not at that stage. However, my partner, uh, who was think who's a little bit older than me, so she was closer to her retirement. She, in her case, it kind of fit with her plans of retiring. So, to be fair, I said let's let's open the discussion and let's go all the way through and let's talk about it. And if they really offer an interesting offer, price wise, and also. Uh, something that will benefit our company here on the long term, then yeah, maybe, why not? Maybe we can use their investment uh, to grow the business even more and, and, and acquire new territories and new markets. And m maybe it might be actually a good thing, something that we couldn't do ourselves. Um, right. So we explored and my, my associate actually went to France to meet them there. Uh, I didn't go because I was six months pregnant and I said, <laughs> I think I'm going to sit that one out. And she yep. came back and she was like, wow, the, 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 the culture of the company was very similar to ours here in Canada. So there was a culture fit and there was a, our values were very similar. Uh, we were speaking mainly with the president of the company at that time and uh, his business developer. And they were just really good people. They seemed like very good people on the human level. And uh, so we negotiated and we were actually... Uh, accompanied by a counselor, a merger and acquisition uh, counselor at first that was not very uh, qualified. Actually, the first person who helped us was not a merger and acquisition specialist. He was an economist and the relationship didn't start well. And that's one of the reasons why I kind of put a stop on the process. And I said, I don't I really didn't want to sell. So I had stopped everything. But a few months later, when my associate went to France and she came back and she said, look, I think we should give them another chance. They seem like good people. Then we, we worked with another person, Eric, and he was amazing. And he was really the right person to help us through this transition. And he was able to listen to us, understand our stress, our needs, our fears, and really just calm us down and provide good solutions and have all those uncomfortable talks with the with the. The, the president of the company that was acquiring us. And uh, from that, w once he stepped in, it took about four months until we we signed the, the contract. So, Oh, for the actual sale? For the actual sale. It's yeah. interesting. Okay, so there's so much there to dig into, but I'd like to start with the idea of building the team for when you are going to transition a business, whether that's to 
you know, your kids, family, your managers, or to a third party. So you had a third party involved. Mm -hmm. Um, Knowing what you know now, how would you have approached building your team? Or how would you advise others who are in this situation to build their expert team to help them with the process? Oh, um, I think we underestimate the value of being well advised. <laughs> and yeah. and if you don't know, um, there's a saying that says, when in doubt, go without. <laughs> so if you're not 100% sure that they're the right people, it's okay to take the time to find somebody else and uh, and do your research, ask your network, and, and don't just because the, the issue with us is that the first advisor was because we had no clue how to sell a company. We asked the first person we knew and she said, oh, I, I know somebody from somebody or from somebody. And we said, OK, we'll work with him because we, we don't know anybody else. And that was a mistake. Uh, we should have made our research. We should have taken our time. And the first time we met with him, my instinct was 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 telling me, I don't like this person. I don't like the way we're communicating. And because I felt like I had no choice and I had no other solutions, I stuck with it. And then it kind of blew up. Um, so my first thing is take the time to do your research. Um, ask people that have sold their business before. Um, they will probably give you much more resources and good advice. Uh, there's things yeah. that you do have to pay for and you do need the legal advice and, and accounting and whatnot, but there's little, little information that can help you that the person can just give you as a, as a friend or a colleague and it can help you along the way in your negotiations. Um, there's a lot of things like uh, feeling like you cannot ask a question or, oh, okay. you can't ask I that. I should this. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, you're dealing with a professional accountant, CPA, uh, legal um, lawyers that are, you know, in the commercial in, or incorporation industry. So that there's a lot of words that you might, you're not going to understand at first. And there's still words that I still don't understand up, at, up until today. But we were very humble and during the way we would say, hey, honestly, we just don't understand this. What's happening? Can you just help me with that? And our advisor, the, the one that helped us sell, finally, he was really good at transforming these complicated uh, clauses into understandable words. <laughs> um, because at the end of the day, if you don't understand and you sign, uh, it's done and you can't go back. So very important to, to ask questions and and no, don't feel don't feel shy about it. Don't feel like uh, you're supposed to know everything. This is not your specialty. I was building a business in relocation. I was not a merger and acquisition specialist. And and after I sold the business, I actually got so interested in the industry that I started to. Uh, I am now a member of the M and A club uh, in Montreal because there's trainings once a month, and I get to learn those language. And I'm just learning so much about it. And I realized how I, I was really just a junior trying to sell my business and there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong and thankfully it didn't but but uh just to be more informed is, is important i think there's a couple of things there too one is don't be afraid to ask questions yes i think um uh it's so easy sometimes to think about what i should know or don't want to look stupid and as yeah. a result um, you don't ask for clarification and you end up signing something that you're never meant to sign exactly and so having that and then because i think even though we build team, we have to be our strongest advocate because uh, no one cares about our life as much as we do. Exactly. So if we don't do that work and no matter what, 
as hard as this language is, I think you need to read your documents. Yeah. You can't trust someone 100%. No, no, definitely. I did my best to read the documents. And I think my only, the only thing that gets very complicated is that while you're selling your business, you're also running your business. Like right. the business doesn't stop running because you're selling it. And the thing is, it adds an even bigger stress because you don't want your employees to know about it. You don't want your clients to know about it. It's super confidential. You don't want people yep. to get scared. You don't want people to start assuming that you're you're going away or you're, you know, there's a bunch of assumptions that can create a lot of fear and doubt and you can lose customers. You can lose employees during that process if you're not careful. So we had to kind of keep that to ourselves for a whole year. And yeah. that's very difficult because at the same time, until it's signed, you don't really know if it's going through. So whenever an employee is like, hey, I think we should develop this, uh, you know, this market. And you're like, well, if we sell, we're definitely going to develop it. But if we don't, we might have to wait a little while. So it, it kind of plays in your mind. So it was yeah. like having two full time jobs for a year. And I have to say we were very exhausted at the end. Uh, it was all worth it. However, not to um, underestimate the energy and the time that it will take. And because it's your company, and I, we always say it, it's a bit like selling, it's like having a baby basically and trying to let it go to like university or <laughs> to college. Um, there's a lot of emotions as well. You value your company in a certain way. They value your company in another way. There's things that you're super proud of and they're like, yeah, we're just gonna maybe get rid of that. So there's a lot of things that like can easily strike a nerve. Um, so if you don't have the mental capacity, <laughs> I would say it's okay to say, look, uh, we want to sell, but um, I'm finishing a huge project. Can we start the conversations in a few weeks or in a month time? I think that that's okay because uh, you do have to be available. How hard was it for you to negotiate like um, clauses and things? Because I think sometimes especially, you know, if we perceive the person wanting to buy us or the company buying us as this huge, big thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like we're not always, um, you know, we talked about imposter system. Who am I to negotiate this term? Yeah. Like, did yeah. you run into that? Yeah. How did you push, push through it? There's a few things that I felt confident about negotiating and there are other things that I didn't. For example, uh, the price that we sold the company when we first starting started the conversations with them um, they wanted to offer us half of what we wanted so we were pretty far um, but I did ask them okay so why would you how would you pay the price that we wanted and they gave us a rough idea well you know your net your your revenue has to be at this uh, you have to have this 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 kind of contract um, or this percentage of clients that are different or more diverse and not just the all your revenue into one client so yep. I, I, which is all things that I'm sure you teach and you and you coach um, it's all it's, it's not things that's the thing it's not just theory it's it's in reality they, they want to have the lowest risk uh, and the highest um, uh, revenue possible for them to you know ensure that uh, their investment will, will go through and will keep growing another thing is they still want to have things that they can increase or they can fix or make better because if you just sell them a perfect company that everything has been maximized already there's no potential for growth for them so yeah. it's okay to have some markets that you haven't tapped into or a few services that you say oh i'd love to do this one day but i haven't had the chance 
that's fine. Keep it. Keep that in your pocket because it's also part of the arguments to to say, well, look, once you you have our company, we I can help you actually develop that market that I've always wanted to because I'll have the, the time and the resource, and that will grow the revenue or that will grow the the team. Um, so. In terms of pricing, what we said, we said, look, okay, we're too far and this negotiation wasn't going well with my pregnancy. So we said stop. But what I what I what, what me and my associate, we talked about, we said, you know what, let's go get that number and then we'll show yeah. them. We'll show them that we know what we're talking about and that we're able to even grow within a few months. And we were actually we really pushed a lot in the few months that came along. And when we came back to see them, when we were open to having a new discussion with my new advisor, I said, hey, by the way, it's been six months and we were there and now we're here. So the more we wait, the more the price is going to go up. And they were like, "Okay, let's 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 just get this rolling. Uh, So that was something a bit more easy for me because I was always implicated in the revenue, the growth of the revenue. So I was in my comfort zone. However, when we were negotiating uh, my salary because they wanted us to stay five years with them for the integration, which was for me a little bit too much. I had heard a lot of bad stories about people. Yeah, exactly. So we negotiated that to three years. uh, But when it came time to to put a salary on that, I I was really undervaluing my my uh, Mm. my my worth. And that's when my advisor, Eric, was like, no, we're going to put this amount, even if it's like, I don't know, 40K more than you want. And let's just go. Let's just go for it. And we'll see what they say. And they were like, yeah, sure. No problem. (laughs) And I was like, "Okay, Eric, thank God you were there because I just have I have a hard time with that. You know, I I love increasing my my um, employee's salary. But when it comes to me, I, I feel like I should always be, you know, you know, in the back on the back burner. If there's an extra, I'll take it. But if not, it's fine. <laughs> so, oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, that that's amazing. So no problem in negotiating the company price because that's not tried up with you. Yeah. Whereas when it comes to your personal value, that's where you kind of was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Was it hard to negotiate your earning down from five to three years to stay with the company? No, no, it was much easier than. I mean, that's something that I learned with selling my business is that. Basically, when you sell your business, every single thing is up for negotiation. There's nothing that's like, oh, well, when you sell your business, you have to do this. There's no rule that says that anything has to be done 100% in a certain way. Everything can be bent. Everything can be negotiated. Everything can be tweaked a little bit. Uh, and uh, that's the great part of it. I love I loved that process of selling the business just to learn how much things you can you can throw in there, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty fun. And when you buy a car, are you going to throw in the the floor mats for me or what? (laughs) That's exactly it. And because they had approached us, we always had a little bit, you know, the the bigger side of the... uh, A little bit of the power. Yes, exactly. So we we could always say, well, look, I mean, if, if you're not happy... We're going to continue doing what we do because the business was going well. I mean, we were, we were not in a phase where the company's uh, growth was going down. Uh, that's another thing I would say to be mindful of when you do sell your company. Uh, if you're if you wait too far ahead or too when you're in that curve that goes down after the, the peak of your company, then there's stability and then you start going down. 
that's not going to give you the power in the negotiation. So I would say the best timing to sell your company, it's either while you're in that curve of going up or when you just arrive at the, the top where you're like, okay, if we want to, we're like, we're stabilizing here. And if we want to go higher, we're going to need external resources or external investment. At this point, I think it's a good time to sell because once you start maturing and going down, you, you might have to sell for less. Um, how, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, sending your child off to university. So yes. initially your, your business was your baby. It was. How did you, how did you, uh, I, I would take, like you took a year. So mm -hmm. getting yourself unentangled emotionally, how did you do that? Was there a process you followed? Um, that's a good question. Um, uh, I think the process I followed in sell selling the business was the same process that I've been following uh, since I started the business. Because in a business, there's always a moment where you have to step in an uncomfortable zone, right? There's always a, like the first time we signed with uh, Ubisoft in our company. Ubisoft is a company that relocate, at that moment, was relocating about 100 to 125 people every year. Yeah. Uh, and we physically, we did not have all the resources yet to accommodate that, but we knew that if we got the contract, we would make it happen, but yeah. extremely uncomfortable because you, you don't have the talent right away. You don't know if it's all going to come in a month or they're going to yep. spread it out. Um, so very hard to, to evaluate. And, and we had never done a volume like that. So very uncomfortable, but I think. One of the good things is that me and my associate, uh, my partner at Pascal, we were we always had an open communication. So yes. that was really good. And I think for me, my personality, it would be very hard for me to have a business by myself. Um, I do need to have a strong partnership with at least one person because I think it really helps in those moments of stress or the unknown because chances are we might not be stressed for the same reasons and we might not be stressed at the same time <laughs> yeah. so whenever there was one that was super stressed about something the other was like hey we can do this we got this and then like a few weeks later oh my god no we can't and i'll be like no 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 we did we are we're pushing through <laughs> so we really helped each other out and and the process of communicating understanding that oh i'm feeling my, my belly is telling me that something is wrong or something is not working or i'm feeling this ball in my in, in my stomach so step one, like acknowledging that. And then step two, talking about it with somebody that can actually make a difference. So Pascal and I, we also had a coach. Uh, we had a business coach. And that was from the start, like when we were not yeah. money. <laughs> and we kept him all the way through because he really helped us with our psychological process. Yeah. Um, and he was there to say, look, it's normal that you're going through this stress right now or that you're not sleeping a lot. It's just normal. But, you know what's what's scaring you let's write it down let's think about what we can do and just just verbalizing it really helped uh and i have a tendency of um, reading a lot of books when i'm insecure about a certain topic and journaling uh journaling for me in the morning as an entrepreneur has saved a lot of hours of therapy not that i don't need therapy i, I surely do <laughs> but uh it saved me a few bucks um when you wake up in the morning and all those uh drawers are open in your mind um and just figuring out what is it about the situation that's really bothering me and figuring that out first is a, is a step and then saying okay this is what's bothering me so now we can kind of be yeah. proactive into the solution 
Wow. I just love hearing about your journey, Sophia. It's so great. And I think that there's been so many valuable lessons. So I really, really want to thank you for sharing uh, with my audience. Um, What are you doing now and how can people get a hold of you? Well, I took a whole year off that lasted 30 days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, 30 days. I opened my my consulting coaching business called uh, Conseil Waro Inc. So Waro, W-A-R-O is a bit of an acronym for my family name, Waro. So it's the way we spell it in Creole, in, in Seychelles. So oh, okay. uh, yeah, my nieces came up with that. So I was like, yeah, you know what, let's uh, let's put it out there. I wanted something that really represented me because yes, having a business with a partner is great, but having a little business for myself also can allow me to put all my creativity and all all, all my little ideas into one place. Um, so I help companies and I help individuals with uh, business strategy and international mobility consulting as well. So if you're a company or a person who needs to hire someone internationally or you cannot find your worker here locally, uh, give me a shout and I can not only help you with doing it, but I can also assess your needs and say, well, maybe you shouldn't because it's going to cost you way more than if you go towards another strategy. Or I can say, look, honestly, for this price and this time frame, we can find you the perfect person uh, and we'll make sure that they come and they integrate properly and they stay here uh, for a long time. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, I think the real bottom line here today is that whether you're hiring internationally, whether you're looking at selling your business or even contemplating it, exactly, you need to build the team. Yes, 100%. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me and looking forward to speaking with you again. Yes, thank you.